1: all right ladies and gentlemen welcome back inside the mid-american bandwagon podcast episode 99 coming to you live this week zach Faldor here with zach vanuenzi as always coming off of a, a little hiatus last week had to give our vocal cords a break uh take some time away we got two weeks to cover here uh, we missed you guys long time no talk we're glad to be back here tonight Vanzi. it's been a few weeks how are you man
0: Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, yeah, I do want to apologize uh, to the listener base. That was uh, my fault last week. I had uh, some family stuff come up, but, uh, you know, we're back, and now we got a little bit more of a jam-packed show uh, to bring everyone here today.
1: We sure do. We sure do. And you know what, Vansy, it's, uh, it's, it's that time of the year where it's starting officially to feel like football is, like, it's right there. It's right around the corner, man. We're in early June. NFL training camps open up in just a little bit over a month. College football training camps, not much further beyond that. Before you know it, it's going to be it's going to be football season. So uh, let's lead off the show here this week, Nancy, with uh, some news from uh, Mac football here. A little bit surprising here. I don't know, depending on how you look at it. Maybe you weren't surprised by this out there. But uh, Central Michigan running back Kobe Lewis entered the transfer portal uh, just a couple of days ago here. I think I was surprised mostly by the time when he chose to do it very late in the offseason. But uh, Kobe, uh, as you will recall, bursted onto the scene in 2019 as a uh, as a as a uh, as a sophomore, 1000 yards rushing, 12 touchdowns uh, in in, the last uh, year after that in 2020. Uh, split the backfield with uh, with Lou Nichols at 468 yards and six touchdowns in the in the sh- pandemic shortened season. If you will recall, he did uh, miss all of last year with a knee workout that or knee injury, excuse me, that he uh suffered in summer camp. But uh Vanzi, obviously Lou Nichols is still there in Mount Pleasant. So it's not as if Central Michigan's gonna be hurting for a running back. However, this is guy Kobe Lewis that has proven himself to be a really good player in the Mac. You think if he would have stuck around, uh, could have been probably the best running back tandem in the conference. Now we're going to have to see where he ends up.
0: Yeah. And uh, you mentioned Lou Nichols and I have to wonder if that's not a big part of this, you know, I mean, yeah. you're coming back from a lost season, you know, you, you last time we saw you, you had a very good season, Kobe Lewis. And then, uh, you know, you have that lost season and then you come back, you know, and, and you can't really afford another lost season at that point behind Lou Nichols. So this might just be a case of a player feeling that he's talented Um, that he's healthy and that he's ready to play maybe a bigger role, Um, could be maybe looking to transfer up a player with his uh, athletic abilities, Um, or it could just be, you know, maybe potentially a smaller level um, where he gets the opportunity to, you know, carry the ball, you know, or touch the ball 20, you know, 25 times a game and put up some numbers.
1: Yeah, you certainly could. I, I think either option, uh, I could see it happening. He is, uh, notably, he is from uh, from Georgia. So he is from down south. So you wonder if he doesn't maybe end up at like a, you know, a Sunbelt school or an AAC school, something like that. Um, so, you know, there's there's every week, there's so many transfers. The transfer portal is insane right now, both in football and basketball. We could do a whole show every week just on the transfers in and out. We try just to stick to the, the ones that we feel most relevant. Certainly uh, a guy that was a, a, a thousand-yard rusher, a couple years ago um, is, is, is certainly uh, noteworthy. So um, let's move in, uh, Vanzi. We have a couple weekends of baseball that we have to cover here. And I think the story, obviously, over these last two weeks here in the postseason, the Mac, uh, Mac postseason two, or Mac tournament two weeks ago, the NCAA tournament last week. But the story here. Obviously, Vanzi Central Michigan. What a performance down the stretch in the MAC tournament, uh, forcing uh, uh, you know a, a second game uh, with Ball State on Sunday. They had an elimination game on Saturday. They knocked off the Cardinals, forced that final game on Sunday, and uh, beat the Cardinals on their home field uh, to win their third straight MAC championship. Went down to Gainesville, Florida, for the Florida regional or the Gainesville regional, I should say, in the NCAA tournament. Got to win uh, a dramatic win in twelve innings over Liberty on Saturday, but ultimately uh, did end up going home. A tough fought loss to Florida, uh, six to five, in an elimination game on Sunday. But Vansy, overall, great couple of weekends for, for the Chippewas. We knew it was either going to be them or Ball State, and uh, they they ended up uh, you know going into Muncie to the Cardinals' house and and, and taking the taking the title.
0: Yeah, and you got to feel for Ball State. I mean, you know they had had the number um, of the the Chippewas all season long. Uh, until the, the the tournament and that's when they needed to come through with the victories the most and central Michigan stepped up and you know I mean I used to play high school ball and all that and, and nothing too serious but at a certain point you're just pushing your odds to you know keep winning um, against the same team over and over and that just kind of seemed to have been the case you know and uh, just central Michigan just a great weekend of baseball um, to come out of that MAC tournament winning the MAC championship and getting the opportunity to go to you know what uh, it what was what is a, a loaded Gainesville regional um, which was one of the top regionals um, I would say in the entire NCAA field and Central Michigan lives on in Ball State unfortunately after an excellent season had to go home.
1: Yeah it is too bad I mean we talked about the one the two big uh, to you know, the two-bid Mac, which unfortunately, uh, what did not come to fruition this year, but yeah, Vansy, I think you know, especially in the NCA tournament down there in that Gainesville regional, a loaded regional, the Chippewas really acquitted themselves well down there. I mean, you know, we talked last week where you had mentioned that uh, Liberty was not far off from potentially, you know, hosting a a regional themselves if they hadn't lost in their conference tournament. But Central Michigan on Saturday afternoon, Danny Westenfeld's uh, single walks off, walks it off for the Chippewas. They eliminate... Uh, the, the flames on Saturday afternoon to get a victory. Anytime. I mean, obviously you'd love to advance, right. You'd love to come out of the regional and move on to the super regional round, but you picked up a win in the NCAA tournament. There's nothing to be ashamed of if you're the Chippewas.
0: Yeah. And I, I think I had said it a few weeks ago with our uh, softball um, podcast coverage. And I said, you know, boy, anytime you can play in the post season, get a victory, you know, that means something, um, you know, because Bowling Green softball had their post season victory. Uh, So, you know, that does mean something. Um, It's a kind of a nice bow on the season, uh, you know, to beat Liberty Liberty, you know, they would have needed a few things to go right to host a regional, but they were somewhat in that discussion. So, you know, the, to have them in central Michigan, central Michigan was the only four seed in any regional to have 40 wins. 40 plus wins so they were you know i mean central michigan was probably the best number four seed of any regional in the ncaa tournament so really just a stacked regional and to come out of there with a victory and we haven't even talked about the next game against florida um which was just I mean, an incredible ball game
1: yeah it really was so yeah let's uh let's let's talk about that game a little bit vansy so uh sunday afternoon an elimination game. The Chippewas take on Florida. So, you know, Florida number 13 in the country, they are uh, the the host of the regional here, a six, five loss for, uh, for the Chippewas again, third straight uh, NCAA tournament appearance for, for, uh, for CMU. So there's really, uh, really nothing to be, nothing to be ashamed of uh, here. If you're the, if, if you're the Chippewas, they, you know, they take that lead, in the, uh, in the fifth inning there, uh, with, uh, Robbie Morgan's, uh, home run, go up five of four in that game. Uh, you know, Florida tied it up and then ended up, you know, end up uh, coming back and, and, and getting the victory, uh, in the eighth inning. But I mean, Vansy again, playing a team against like Florida, Florida's caliber, a top 15 team in the country on their home turf, giving them all they can handle. Uh, the Chippewas really, you know, they, they really acquitted themselves well. they really proved themselves. You gotta, you gotta hand it to them here. I think even Florida had to leave that game very impressed with what they saw from CMU.
0: Oh yeah. Central Michigan. I mean, they, they had to battle back and they were right in the ball game. Literally. I mean, you know, you talk about it coming down to the final out. Well, this came down to the final, you know, strike. I mean, Central Michigan had the bases loaded. You know, there in in the the ninth inning with their actually no X ratings with a chance to uh to beat Florida at Florida, you know, yeah. so a tremendous opportunity. Florida, you know, I mean, say what you want about Central Michigan, Florida opened the door. Their pitching had uh you know really tough time trying to find a plate, and it allowed Central Michigan to hang around. But one of the things is that Central Michigan program right now is used to tournament time. Yeah. You know, they've been here before. They won a game last year in the NCAA tournament. It's nothing new to them. Um, a regional probably isn't coming to Mount Pleasant anytime soon. So they're used to having to go on the road and, uh, you know, to, to win in a tough venue. And uh, they almost did that against a very, very good Florida team at a very nice uh, NCAA stadium down there in Gainesville.
1: Yeah. And talk about, you know, the the, the battling back too, right fighting adversity. Florida scored the first five runs of this game. They're five nothing uh, in the fifth inning. Central Michigan picked up a run in the bottom of the fifth and then four more in the in the bottom of the sixth. So you know, five tied up at five there before uh, Florida. Uh, you know, won it in the in, in the ninth inning. Uh, but yeah, Vansy, nothing to be ashamed of if you're the Chippewas. A, a great performance uh, for CMU, and again, as you said, this is a team that veteran team with postseason experience you you have to think they're going to be back at the top of the MAC again next year them and Ball State those two Vansy it seems like those two heading into next season they've kind of established themselves as the top two programs in the MAC any other programs you see ready to kind of make a move
0: well you know I mean if I was a betting man I wouldn't bet against uh, either of those two teams for the next you know two or three seasons you do have to wonder about uh, Central's coach if somebody's going to come in and maybe you know pluck him away Um, But he's got some ties today to the Midwest and all that. So maybe not. Um, I would say Toledo. Toledo was a down and out uh, program when they hired their new coach right before uh, COVID hit. And then that first season really didn't do anything, you know, because of COVID. Then last year, a little bit better. This year, a lot better. Um, I would say Toledo. And I, I believe they're making some investments to that program. Um, money wise as well so i would say toledo new athletic director all that going on i would say toledo could be a baseball um, program that takes a step forward and uh, and i'll I'll give a shout out to eastern michigan they continue to have great recruiting classes some of the best in the mac they just haven't put it together Um, so if those recruiting classes ever all kind of mesh uh, in one singular season eastern michigan my eastern michigan could uh, could surprise some people
1: yeah, you know, those are two teams I definitely had in my mind, along with Ohio too. I've uh, I was impressed with how Ohio finished the season this year, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, back in the MAC tournament again next year. But anyway, that's a wrap for baseball season. The the uh, super regional is still going on right now, but uh, obviously uh, n- no MAC teams being represented with uh, Central Michigan uh, falling out last weekend. Let's close out the show here this week, Bansy, with some football talk. We posted a couple questions on Twitter this week. Uh, A couple things that we wanted to discuss with you guys, the fans wanted to discuss them on the show here and talk about some of the responses we got. And let's start with the the the, the college football season win totals that have been released by DraftKings. You always know the season is right around the corner once you start to see these some, you know, some of these season long bets start to come out. And um, Vansy, we were talking before the show. People love. Betting on sports. Anytime, anytime we put up any betting content, it's like we get more engagement with these types of posts than almost anything else we put up. It's crazy. But anyway, season win totals released by DraftKings here last week. Central Michigan leads away with eight, although it has come down to seven point five. Toledo also at seven point five. Northern Illinois, Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, and Miami all at six point five, and then Buffalo, Ohio, and Ball State at five and a half. So a lot of parity there in the middle. Kent State at five, Bowling Green at three and a half, Akron at two and a half, rounding out the bottom. Uh, Vansy, before we get into any of the fan responses here, I wanna, any, wanted to get any initial thoughts that you had when you saw these numbers.
0: Yeah, the the thing that jumped out to me was just a parody. You know, yeah. I thought a tremendous parody. That's something we're used to in the Mac um, and I I would like to go back and see some of the past years and see how right or how long wrong they were. Um, Northern Illinois, a very young team a year ago, wins the conference this year. They're, you know, tied for third according to these betting odds with 6.5 wins. You know, I find that hard to believe. Um, you know, you got Eastern and Western tied at 6.5 in Central with eight. Uh, I think that's probably pretty fair. I think Central last year looked to be a step ahead of those other two programs. Um, I think Toledo, you know, Toledo's right there. I think that's a fair number, 7.5. Um, and also notice that Toledo, they're, they're you know, th- that would keep them, that 7.5 would keep them out of the MAC championship game. Um, you know, so another very yeah. good but not quite great season for Toledo that's been on par. Um, you know, and then some of the schools that I think will go over, uh, I think bowling green's gonna win more than three three and a half games. I mean, you know, it sounds silly to say three and a half, but that's what the odds are. Yeah, but I was you know, bowling green, I think they can make a run. Uh, you know, they've been a young team with Scott Leffler and they've been taking some steps forward. I think Bowling Green's got a chance to kind of push that total, um, get it up maybe five, you know, probably not quite six, but then also Joe Moorhead going into Akron. I, I don't really like that roster right now, but I, that's just such a big hire. Um, Joe Moorhead, you know, coming in there. That I can't count them out. I can't say, you know, Akron, you know, I mean, I think it's probably a year or two too soon, but I could see Akron improving on that 2.5.
1: Yeah, those both of those did seem very low to me, especially, I mean, when you look at Akron, right? Two and a half wins is their season win total. They open the game with a game against St. Francis for the FCS. You have to think they're going to win that game. So then you just got to find two more wins on that schedule, which, you know, there, there's a lot of turnover on that roster, a lot of question marks, but they do have DJ irons back at quarterback. They got a number of transfers from power five programs who were attracted there by Joe Moorhead. I do have to think Akron's going to go over that number. I tend to agree with you with Bowling green as well. There's, you know obviously they improved so much on defense last year i still need to see some more from from uh, excuse me from matt mcdonald uh and and that offense i, I i'm you know i'm curious to see how they progress this year but I mean you know there you got to look when I figure when you're looking at these win totals got to look at the non-conference schedules too right Bowling Green with road games at UCLA and Mississippi State I think we can write those two off Eastern Kentucky there's a game at home that you should probably win you also play Marshall at home an old uh, Mac foe former conference mate uh, that's an interesting matchup you wonder how Bowling Green will look in that game but then you look at the rest of their schedule I mean Akron Buffalo uh, Buffalo is at home Western Michigan at home Kent State at home at Ohio there's certainly some winnable games Games in there for the Falcons. I'm curious, though, Vanzi. I'm I'm really surprised. You you touched on this too. Northern Illinois, that seems really low for Northern Illinois. And honestly, six and a half also seems high to me for Western Michigan. I mean, you look at the Broncos roster. I mean, you're losing Ali Fiyod on defense and Ralph Hawley. You're losing Caleb Ellaby, probably the, one of the, you know, one of the best, if not the best quarterbacks in the conference last year, losing Sky Moore, second round NFL draft pick. There's a lot to replace on this Broncos team. Six and a half, that feels kind of high for me. Yeah, I would,
0: I, I would agree. Um, you know, I think again though, with the parody, I mean I think it, it may not be necessarily that hard to find that sixth win, but yeah, I would say Western Michigan has lost a lot. I'm surprised that they're at six and a half um I'm surprised, I mean you know Eastern Michigan six and a half um that's kind of been where they've been, you know they they've been at six, you know, seven can't quite get the eight wins that seemed fair to me. Um, uh, Miami, Miami, six and a half. I, I kind of have a feeling that Miami is going to be the the surprise team in the Mac and maybe go over that. Um, well, yeah. I think when you look at that group, I mean, you got three, four teams right there at six and a half. You look at that. NIU is just a, a different, I mean, you know, a, a different dog, the Huskies, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I would just, it would just seem that they should be, you know, separated somewhat from that pack. Um, you know, and, and I think what's interesting about this also with looking at it is, you know, you got, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, six MAC teams, according to this, that would be bowl eligible. And then you have another, you know, four. So you got 10 MAC teams that are within a half win or a win of a bowl game. Yeah. Well, that would make I mean, I, I don't know if that will happen, but that would make some tremendous watching down the stretch uh, of the action schedules and all that where every win would count um, in trying to get to a bowl game.
1: The Mac is nothing if not balanced. Right. I mean, there's so many teams that are so similar in this league, although I, I guess it's not balanced in the sense of, I, you know, I think going into this season, at least. Most people would agree that, you know, the strongest teams this year do seem to be all in the Western division. We'll see how that plays out. If any teams in the East can prove us wrong here, looking at some of our, uh, you know, the fan responses here uh, to this question, you have Bowling Green football talk chimed in and said, here comes every fan base claiming that these are too low. Please save these tweets for the end of the season because everyone can't hit the over. Very true. June is the time for optimism, right? Everybody thinks right now that their team's in good shape and is going to have a good year. Um Jay Flash said, no, do not enter, underestimate Sean Lewis at Kent. Bansy, the flashes with five, with a, a win total of five here. To me, Kent State this year, it all comes down to two things. Can they improve their defense at all because they could not stop a nosebleed last year? And also, can Colin Schley, um, can he replace – Dustin Crum at quarterback, because Crum obviously was the, the stir that, uh, or the, the straw that stirred the drink last year for that flashes offense. They had so much success. If Schley can come in and reproduce a little bit of what, uh, what, uh, what crumb did, I think Kent state does have a good chance of going over that number, especially given some of the other, you know, state of the programs in the East.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the thing about Kent state for me, is their schedule is always so tough. So, you know, you're going to, you're going to lose some games out of the gate. And two, I mean, the last two years, Oh, they're the sleeper. They're the sleeper and they didn't really make as much noise. I think as people thought with Dustin crumb, you know, as kind of maybe being the surprise team in the MAC. So I think it's easier for people to kind of say, okay, no Dustin crumb knocked them down a peg. Um, you know, but yeah, I, 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 you know, that's another one with their offense, with some of their, their gimmicky, you know, I don't want to say gimmicky, but I just said it, um, you know, some of their, their pace of play and things that they do. That is a team where they're going to be a tough matchup for a lot of other teams. And that could find them some victories that way. But I, I'm not a big Kent state guy. I'm not going to lie. I think they were, you know, somewhat of a disappointment last year. A lot of that was their tough schedule. Um, if I had to pick somebody on here to put my money on going over that, I'm probably not going with Kent State. Um, and I'm sure uh Steve Halwick would be uh, you know, uh very upset with me for that. He's a, he's a <laughs> big Kent State aficionado here at the hustle belt. But I'm just I'm just not I'm not riding that golden flash. Um, you know, I, I thought they were disappointed. I love Sean Lewis. I think I don't think he's long for Kent State probably. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I just, I don't, I don't know. I, th- I thought they were a little bit of a disappointment last year, um, and I'll probably be wrong. And i watched watch win eight games.
1: <laughs> it does, it, you know, it does feel as if another bowl game or two for Sean Lewis at Kent State, and a, a bigger program might come and try and scoop them up. Speaking about their non-conference schedule, though, Vansy, you, you speak the truth there. They've, they've adopted this philosophy over the last six or seven years, right, where they've said every year in the non-conference. We're gonna play one by FCS game at home. We're gonna place, you know, pay some FCS team to come in here, and we'll get our one non-conference win. And then we're going on the road, and we're playing the big boys, right? They want those. They want those checks. They want those that money uh, at Washington, at Oklahoma, at Georgia this year. I mean, talk about a brutal slate in September. They do get a game in between there against Long Island, which you would think can be a victory there. But man, that non-conference slate. You're right, Bansy. Every year, a year in and out, they always seem to have. The, uh, the 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 toughest non-conference schedule of any team in the MAC. We had a couple. We had quite a few folks here, Vanzi, who agree with us about Akron that think uh, they're going to get three wins or more, uh, including you know NCAA football zone and a couple others here. Uh, that think uh, that Akron is, uh, is too low. We had a couple folks here, uh, Nick Partipolo and, and a couple others uh, that agree with us on NIU. They think six, six and a half is too low for the Huskies and Vansy, especially we you got your, your running back back, you got your quarterback back, Rocky Lombardi and Harrison way League, both going to be back next year. Jay Ducker stepped in and had a great year at running back as well. There's a lot of firepower on this Huskies team. It does feel like they, they should, you know, seven wins for them feels like very, very doable.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, yeah. And, but then again, that's the thing we're just so far out. It's, it's tough to say right now. Um, you know, and the other thing that I was thinking of, cause right, right now, if you're like me this time of year, it used to be the NCAA football video game. We've spoke of that before, but also the college football preview magazines are out Yeah, and I, I was flipping through them at Walmart and I was, I was like, well, which one am I going to buy? And, there's you know, rosters in there are starting lineups of players who have transferred since those things went to publication. And in this modern day of college football, not only are we a couple months out, but we're probably several impact transfers out from really having a read on this thing. So it's it's tough to sit here and kind of peg these, you know, different, you know, the everyone right now. Um, you know, another name that I keep thinking of, you know, I mean, Ohio with Tim Elvin, that was a big step back last year. Yeah. Um, Buffalo had I think, you know, they're, I, I like him as a coach. I think they, they have had somewhat of a tradition there. Um, you know, but I mean, I could really almost talk myself into every single team on this list performing at or over, you know, the, the numbers that, that are provided there. Um, and I do want to say, um, you know, like BGSU football talk and some of those other accounts that replied, give them a foul too. I mean, if you like yeah. the Mac, they, they put out uh, very strong content.
1: Absolutely. Our guys over at college sports connection podcast and BGSU football talk. There's a couple, one of the other guys here, uh, Chappie, the college football writer. Uh, great content he gives you every day. He does his walk-off with Trappy every day, little two, three-minute video where he breaks down some some, uh, some type of college football uh, topic for you. And he, he replied here, Vans, he said he thinks that Bowling Green and Kent State are both too low, along with Miami of Ohio, very much because of something that we said where east the Eastern Division probably not quite as strong this year. It does seem like most of the best teams do reside in the West this year, and, and these numbers here would reflect that.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I, I know the uh, the Hustle Belt Twitter account I posted something a couple weeks back. Um, a lot of conferences are doing away with the divisions. Yeah. Um, now, and, you know, and you could maybe potentially see the MAC eventually do something like that, provided they protect the rivalries like Bowling Green, Toledo, Kent State, Akron, and, and some of those rivalries. But, I mean, really, when you look at it for football and you look at these projections, yeah, I think there's a strong argument to be made For that um you know you you go up and down this list and the first you know mac east team is miami at six and a half yeah you know and that's good for sixth in potentially in the mac west you know so that is just um you know the the parody has is conference wide but one division is definitely stronger
1: yeah it does certainly seem that way the east you know, how, you know a, lot of, a couple of programs there in the East experiencing some downward uh, trends, you know, kind of simultaneously with Ball, with Bowling Green, Buffalo and Ohio all kind of taking step backs these last couple of years. I guess I throw Akron in that group, too. Um, but anyway, so, you know, that's when, you know, it's like I said, these, you know, the, the, the preseason projections are coming out. The preseason magazines, as you have mentioned, Vansy, it's that time where you're starting to taste football in the air and, and foot, you know, camp is not far off right around the corner here. And, uh, you know, we'll obviously we're going to have a bunch of preseason coverage coming up here over the course of the summer as football season approaches.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.
1: All right, Vansy, so to, to close out the show this week, let's, let's uh, take a look at some uh, fan responses from this other uh, Twitter question we posted. This one was a couple of weeks ago, but um, just, uh, you know, here in the off season, want to do some, some more fan interaction on Twitter and stuff like that. We loved all the responses we got to this one. So the question was here, Vansy, which Mac school or schools have the best color scheme, logo, jerseys, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then adi- in addition, the second follow-up question to this, was what is the best retro look in the Mac? So Vansy, before we get into the fan responses here, I want to get your opinion on, on both of these things. Best color scheme, current jerseys in the Mac, and also the best retro look.
0: Well, that's a tough one. I If best current unis in the Mac, I would have to go, I mean, probably NIU. Mm. You know, the red and black and, and the Husky, they're just timeless. Um, you know, I mean, I'm... I'm not going to pick Eastern for that, you know, just because it's Eastern. Um, I'm I'm avoiding picking Eastern right now, but uh, I'd have to probably say NIU. I think they probably have the best um, current, uh, the best retro look. And I was looking at some of these. Now, is it a retro look that they still wear or just, you know, ever, ever? I mean, it can be either. Yeah, it can be either. Because Toledo, I think, they're you know, they probably bring out the best retro yeah. you know with the white and blue and i think they wore it against uh byu a couple of years ago those those are so sharp uh, probably the best oh i don't know best all time retro you know it's really it, it stinks because um eastern michigan you know the hurons they'll never put that back on the yeah. uniform so you'll never really get that throwback they did have a throwback a couple years ago which was you know pretty good um, actually my first ever homecoming, they yeah. wore it, um, you know, and, in uh, Miami the same back when they were the, the, you know, back before they changed their names, but, uh, yeah, I gotta, I will go with EMU. I, I think those were very clean and, um, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, sentimental reasons, but, uh, the Hurons, I think not only is it a retro look, but a retro, uh, team name.
1: Love that. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a great answer. I think, you know, man, there's a lot of great, there's a lot of good choices. Like I think about in the Mac right now, like I give, I give like Bowling Green and I guess Central Michigan to an extent, I give them points for, for uniqueness, right? Like, especially Bowling Green, like nobody else in division one has the Brown and orange color scheme. It's like, it's them in the Browns. There's nobody else that has that color scheme. And even Central Michigan, like there's other teams that have red and yellow and like, you know, different shades of red and different shades of yellow, but like that, specific combination of like maroon and yellow. I feel like that's pretty unique too. So I got to give I got to, I got to appreciate both of those.
0: Yeah. Central Michigan. I mean, I, you know, they, they, that color scheme I think goes really well. There's some good, you know, uh, some good looks there. They've had some classics, which came up on the Twitter Twitter feed, but they've also, they've also been brave and did some different things. And uh, when we had uh, the ball state kicker on, um, he yeah, he mentioned a big, uh, big game against them, and Central came out in like special uniforms, and uh, that just motivated Ball State. And uh, you know, it's interesting to hear that. But yeah, Central—they've done some different things. Also, with a lot of these schools, I think you see some different things. Like, okay, you may have a timeless look, but if you change providers. You know, I mean, the big one I can think of is uh, Central Michigan Adidas. It's hard to read the names on the back. That knocks yeah. them down for me. But, like, if you go from Nike to Adidas or Russell Athletic to Adidas, you know, your look may change um,
1: slightly. It's interesting you bring that up, Vansy. I, I don't know if, if other, like, football fans have an opinion on this. But as a general rule across the board – I do not love Adidas football jerseys. I feel like teams that have Nike football jerseys look way better than teams that wear Adidas. Am I crazy?
0: No, you're not crazy. And um, I was, you know, I, you know, okay. So I'm here in Southeastern Michigan. I love Eastern Michigan. I buy a lot of Eastern Michigan stuff, you know, it's Adidas, but I also being a Michigan fan buy and own a lot of Michigan, Jordan, Nike brand, uh, a gear. And I, not just the uniforms, but just the fan apparel. I think it's so much better than Nike quality, but Adidas and I've seen the contract or not the contract, but like a copy of it, Adidas in Eastern Michigan, they have a pretty good partnership where there's a lot of adidas kind of scratching eastern michigan's back and i think that'd probably be true for a lot of these schools in the mac who kind of have these these uh, different agreements Um, the other thing i'd like to point out is i know for many years michigan was with adidas and they had kind of the highlighter yellow they didn't have the maze yeah Well, that's because the michigan maize color was trademarked by nike and nike wasn't going to let adidas use it so i wonder how much sometimes when a max school kind of changes their look going from provider to provider um if that could potentially be a trademark issue as well
1: very interesting points you make there Vance. yeah that's true the, the 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 brand of or the color the shade of yellow uh that michigan used during those adidas years was definitely distinctly different than the the, the traditional michigan yellow um Looking through some of the, the, the fan replies here, our good friend of the show, Rocket Ryan, uh, came on a long time ago to do the, the, the Toledo Hall of Fame draft with us. Um, he you know, obviously has his favorite uniform, current uniform, the, the, the Toledo Rockets. And then Bansy, that, met that retro look, the blue and white that the Rockets rock, it seems like they wear it once a year now. He posted that as his favorite retro as well. Hard to argue with that, Bansy. I think that's such a classic uniform there, classic combo, so clean. You know, sometimes – the simpler the better right and that's a great example of that nick partipolo um, responded uh, talking about niu and the wind totals brought him up again here and niu with the best color scheme it's hard to argue with that i mean i think that applies here to me vansy for like for northern illinois miami and ball state all with like that red and white color scheme throw a little bit of black in there it's hard to look bad in in colors like that
0: right i agree and uh you know i just there's been some days where um you know, like I've been, you know, at Reinerset and it's Eastern against, uh, you know, Northern Illinois and you just see those Northern Illinois helmets and the light just hits it off the stadium or the sun. And it's, it's just a sharp look. And, uh, you know, that, that red and black, it's just, it's, it's football colors. It's a, it's a good look. And, uh, you know, the, the Husky it's, it's just a good
1: look. Totally. Totally. What do you think about these, uh, I completely forgot about these bands. I can't even remember what year they wore them, but uh, DJ Beck's in the mentions uh, brought up these, these classic, I don't know. I don't know if you call them classic, but these, uh, these alternative uniforms, alternate uniforms at Eastern Michigan more, it must've been a couple of years ago. It has like the alarm clock numbers on it and yellow pants. What year was this? Oh
0: boy. I think it was at least 2015. Okay. Um, Cause I know in 2016, they did a, a different look um you know and, but uh a slightly different look for a throwback but these right here and I, i'm looking at the the twitter post right now but what this is is eastern michigan has a very storied track and field history mm-hmm. um so much so that uh, i believe every olympics you know since i forget when has had an eastern michigan eagle competing in track and field um donald scott being the last one uh this last iteration of the olympics so the EMU track team uh, wears gold shorts. They wear the mm-hmm. yellow gold shorts. And uh, this was actually, and if you look at, I mean, you can't see it if you're a listener, but on the helmets, they have the diamond plate E and they have the, uh, the wings, you know, kind of like a track shoe wings on the diamond plate E. Um, the numbers on the player here uh, represent the numbers that would be on a scoring bib. And that's why you also have them facing uh-huh. out on the outside of the pants and then the gold pants and the gold piping um, was a tribute to uh, the very strong Eastern Michigan track squad. Um, it was not a very well received uniform because I feel like people outside of uh, Eastern Michigan historians, Eastern Michigan fans really were like, what, what is this? I have no idea you know, why they're wearing these, but uh, it, it was a nice tribute. Um, you know, not, not my favorite uniform to look at.
1: Okay. So now that you say that, that makes a lot more sense. I was wondering where the yellow came from. And now that you say that, I love the motivation behind these uniforms. I feel like maybe though the execution, not quite there with these ones. I think there's a great, like you could have definitely done something awesome with like green and yellow. My high school Penn Trafford, that was our colors, green and yellow. So I love the color, the color scheme here, the green and yellow color scheme. But I don't know, something about the way, I don't know, the paneling underneath the armpits and the, and the way it matches up. I don't know. I don't love the some of the execution here, but I love the idea uh, behind it. Our guy Brigadier Bronco, uh, big Western Michigan guy. Of of course, he's gonna say the brown and gold of Western Michigan, Vansy. I feel like Western Michigan is a team that has had a lot of different jerseys over the years. Obviously, they just changed it again this past year. Although they did, to uh, most Western Michigan fans' uh, delight, they did keep and end up keeping the uh, the, the Bronco, um, the, you know, the the, bron- the Ghost Bronco on the helmet there. That's a, but like brown and gold like that, Vansy. That's another one, kind of a unique color scheme. I know you might be biased against the Broncos, but what do you think about those uniforms?
0: Well, didn't they turn the ghost Bronco head the opposite direction? I believe that was the thing, you know, they kept it, but they turned it a different direction. You know, the Mac, I mean, Brown and gold is just such a Mac color. Yeah. You know, I mean, you wouldn't hear about that in a different conference, you know, but I can't get on board. I can't talk Western Michigan uniforms without talking about the monstrosities, and and they were fun at the time but how about those row the boat pj Fleck uniforms yeah you know i mean okay roll the boat it's a great moniker they had a great year but why did western michigan broncos have oars under helmets yeah i'm not just under helmets but on the sleeves of their jerseys. And if you went to, you know, to Waldo Stadium, it was get your RTB mac and cheese. And it was just like, you know, like you talk about losing the brand, you know, they sold out for roll the boat. And then PJ Fleck went to Minnesota and now, oh, wait, our logo, people don't understand it, you know, with the rest of the school. Well, where was that three, four years prior?
1: Is that a thing? They had row the boat mac and cheese at Waldo Stadium?
0: Oh yeah. Everything, (laughs) you know, every, every food item uh, I have a picture probably at this point, it was probably on my MySpace, but uh, every, (laughs) every food item, you know, had some kind of tie in to PJ Fleck or uh, the, the road to boat moniker.
1: Interesting. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That was quite a year, but man, you're right. Bansy. I just, I Google image searched uh, those uniforms. I'm looking at them now. They, they, they were not uh, easy on the eyes that that is for sure. Um, but yeah, a couple, couple other responses here. We'll, we'll give some, some more shout outs here real quick. Jason, Jibby uh, 39 mentioned ball state goes crazy, which one thing I do want to say about ball state, give them extra points, extra credit here for bringing the dancing Cardinal logo back. I think that dancing Cardinal logo is awesome. And I love seeing them use that pretty regularly now on, on their helmets. And then uh, the Sunday morning Cokes guys, uh, you know, they're always they're all about Akron, Northeast Ohio. So of course they're gonna give us the blue and gold of Akron, which I agree. It's it's a good look, a clean look. BG Falcon 91 mentioned bowling green. We talked about them. They get points there, definitely for um for uh you know, for for originality and, and uniqueness. Uh Peter Bittner posted an interesting image here, Vansy, of, of these helmets that Buffalo used to wear. Uh, back when, you know, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when they first joined the conference with like the bullhorns coming out of the sides, similar to like how the Eagles helmets have the Eagles, you know, wings on the sides. It's kind of similar where it's like the bull horn is trying to kind of trying to come out at you. Danzy, that's that's an interesting idea there. I wouldn't hate to see them bring that back as like an alternate or something. You know, I
0: got to say, I just look at that and it just seems like if you ordered the Minnesota Vikings helmet off
1: Wish, oh no, yeah yeah, yeah it's I, see just, that. I see I see that now yeah
0: yeah um later on in this post chappie the hashtag college football writer uh posted the Buffalo um black helmets blue unis black pants yeah it, it, that's that's an underrated look i think you know like that shade of blue with a black i mean i'm I'm planning some outfits based off of that myself you know
1: <laughs> yeah that is a good look you're right and Chappy, shout out to him. He put one, another uh, picture in that post there. Uh, the The Central Michigan ninety two to ninety four. The the more of the golden maroon as opposed to the yellow and maroon they have today with a retro logo on there as well. That one uh, that's a good look there. So uh, great, great, uh, great post there from Chappie. We also um, looking down here. Uh, our friends over at Mac Football Spain they highlighted the 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 baby blue. Um, jerseys that that Kent State wore a few times this past year, and Vansy, I have to agree with him on this one. I know these are just an alternate jersey; they don't wear these all the time. But that baby blue and yellow look with a little bit of dark blue mixed in for Kent State—that's a good-looking jersey.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's you know that's something that uh, you know I I think they could wear it almost every time. Yeah, and I think almost every game. And a lot of these schools, I mean, if they they would be much more well received if they just brought back uh, some of their throwbacks too. I mean, just, you know, like, uh, I think Bowling Green, I mean, you know, somebody commented the Urban Meyer era with uh, the half, you know, Falcon head, which I think was a tremendous look, you know? So, um, I, and also I, I, I would like to see, you know what, we're going classics. You know, boy, give me some classic. I wish we would have had some people from UMass, Marshall from Central Florida. You know, we're getting back into retros. Bring them back. Let's, you know, let's talk about what you guys wore in the MAC.
1: Man, I remember being in like middle school when Central Florida was in the MAC. What a weird, what a weird fit for the conference. But hey, whatever. It made for some interesting matchups there for a few years. Yeah, you're right, though, Vansy. That's a great call-out. Would have loved to see some of our, our, our former Mac teams. Marshall especially. I love the, the shade of green that Marshall uses. Such a unique uniform that they have there for, uh, for the Thunder and Hurts. So, anyway, folks, thanks so much for all the engagement with these uh, these posts the last couple of weeks. We're going to post some more, you know, question type of stuff for some more fan interactions here, read off uh, some responses, give some shout-outs on the show here as we get into the summer before we start our, our season preview content of the upcoming football season. Uh, that'll wrap it up for us here tonight on episode 99 of the Mac Bandwagon. Uh, Vansy, any final word of wiz- words of wisdom, excuse me, for the people?
0: Um, not really words of wisdom. I just want to point out that uh, my Detroit Tigers played uh, your Pittsburgh Pirates. And, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, my, my broom was, uh, you know, being put to good use as the Tigers swept the Pirates.
1: You know it's insane. The Pirates go out on the West Coast, they sweep the the Dodgers in LA three games, and then they come home and they get swept by the Tigers in Pittsburgh. I'll never understand them, Vandy. I'll never understand them. They've been better than expected this year. I mean, and they're still you know they're like they're like exceeding expectations, and we're still five games under 500. So. That kind of gives you an idea of where the franchise is at. But anyway, folks, that'll do it for us here this week on episode 99 in The Bandwagon. He is Zach Banyuenzi. I am Zach Follador. Thanks, as always, for stopping by this week, folks. We'll talk to you again next Friday.